gonna need a bigger boat. Hey, hi, hello, how are you? And welcome back to Watch It Again, the podcast where we go through 101 movies to see before you die. As always, I'm your host, Jacob, and with me are... I'm Kat. And I'm Nick. And again, we are coming to you remotely, but hopefully that might change very, very soon with our, you know, things reopening and cast members coming back closer together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this week we are talking about Jaws from 1975, directed by Steven Spielberg. So last week we kind of mixed it up and Nick kind of ran a mini report on that and this week it's my turn with Jaws and next week it will be Cat with whatever she picks. So I guess we can um, dive straight into Jaws. Or not, you know. Or not. Don't want to just... jump into a <laughs> shark infested water. <laughs> Why not? It goes so well for so many people. You know, what could possibly go wrong? So... <laughs> So, Jaws is directed by Steven Spielberg. It uh, stars, if I can get my notes properly, um, Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfuss, Lorraine Gary, Murray Hamilton, Jeffrey Kramer, Susan Backlini, I should say, um, Chris Ribello, Jay Mello, and Lee Fierro. Um... But before I go any further, I want Nick to tell us what the plot is. Oh, man. I should not have said that president, hey? <laughs> you really should have, but now you, you stitched Cat up last week. I'm stitching up this week. Thanks, Jacob. I did. You're welcome, Cat. And you know what? I had a synopsis written too, but I ditched it. Right. Um, well, there's a big shark and it's eating people, so they've got to stop the shark. But the greedy mayor wants to leave the beaches open because it's summertime and people go to that island for their beaches but big shark kills people <laughs> big shark kills people so what people. are they gonna do right <clears throat> perfect big shark kills people i love it um uh, i'd be i'd be very upset if someone was listening and thought it was otherwise Big shark like it was about dentists or something. Like um, Steven Spielberg originally did when he first saw the script in his producer's office. Did you know that? Wait, really? What do you think it was? Well, he saw a big pile of white pages that said Jaws and he thought it was a movie about dentists until he read it. <laughs> no, he didn't. No, did he, he did. He 100% did. That's a... That's a fact. Oh, I'm, a, I'm a genius like Spielberg. Yeah, 27-year-old Spielberg was like, ooh, movie about dentists, red script. Oh, not dentists, big killer shark. That's so funny. <laughs> oh, my God, that's so funny. Oh. So Spielberg, when he read that script, there was already a director signed on to the project, but Spielberg really liked it, and he said to the production crew or the production company, he went, if there's any issues with the director call me, I'd be interested in doing it. Now, at this point, Spielberg had only ever done one major film, which was Jewel, which is not the greatest. <clears throat> but, um... So, the director for this, before anything even started, had other commitments, so Spielberg was contacted and agreed 
to go into pre-production for Jaws. So everything was put into place and they had a lot of issues casting the lead. They just had so many issues in general. (laughs) I'm surprised this movie even got made, honestly. I think everyone really is. Um, So... Um, our main three are kind of Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, and Richard Dreyfus, and none of them were the first choice. One of them happened by complete. One of the castings happened by a complete accident, and one of them happened by Spielberg repeatedly begging someone to do it, and then eventually <laughs> caving in to going, "Okay, fine, I'll do it." So Richard Dreyfus, coming off the back of American Graffiti. Spielberg really liked him for the role. He wasn't the first choice, but Spielberg really liked him for this role and his comedic take he could take on it because it was very different to the Hooper marine biologist from the book. And the books is really like blonde haired, tall, attractive, surfy dude that's the marine biologist. You know, that stereotypical beach guy that's a marine biologist. Whereas Richard Dreyfus was a lot more nerdy, had a scraggly beard, glasses fit more of a nerd type role and Spielberg liked that more for this character than what it was in the book and Richard Dreyfus straight up went no I'm not doing it <laughs> and then Spielberg asked him a week later and he went no it'll be a bitch to film I'm not doing it I'm not filming a movie out in the open ocean and Spielberg went look come up and see us and have lunch with us and you know we'll talk about it so he was like fine so he went up and he met with them and then he said to Spielberg why don't we both say no together and then you can get out of doing it as well and we can both leave. And Spielberg was like, well, no, I'm going to do this and I want you to do it too. And then he finally went, okay, fine, I'll do it. And that's how we got Hooper. <coughs> um, Quint, who is the kind of... He's the seaman shark hunting guys you know the stereotypical old school fisherman that's rough as nails and you know has all the stories and yeah he's seen a few things not much yeah. will scare him um sorry you have to edit out my sniffle i uh, almost laughed when he said semen <laughs> <laughs> i'm really disappointed in myself i'm sorry guys you're no, so it's childish fine. nick it's fine um so he was not the first choice and several people considered um one i can't remember the name they approached him but he didn't want to do it because he owed millions of dollars in back taxes to the government so he'd essentially be working for free and all his salary would go straight to the government so he was like there's no point doing it i'm not doing it and finally they got robert shaw on board and it's a great casting and he plays the role really well and that's that Brody on the other hand so played by um Roy Scheider was at a party that Spielberg was at and Spielberg was just lost you know the production company wanted um what's his name bloody Charles Harrison Ford no um Charlton Heston to play the role and he was like Spielberg was like no he's too big you know it'll take away from the movie because this is like one of the biggest stars in the world. Like, I don't want this. I want someone more unknown. And he was speaking to Roy Scheider at a party, just venting all his frustrations out 
that, you know, he couldn't find anyone and they were really struggling and all these issues they were having in pre-production. And he was like, I'm an actor. Why don't I do it? <laughs> and Spielberg was like, yeah, why don't you do it? And then that's how he was cast. That's great. So, yeah, it just happened by chance that they were at the same party and that Spielberg was sitting there on his own and Roy came over and asked him what was wrong and he just started venting and then it was like, I'll do it. You know, pick me, pick me. That's great. And that's how we got our main three. And then Ellen Brody, the wife of, you know, um, Brody, is the head of the production company's wife. <laughs> Really an in-house casting She was an actress and Spielberg maintains this day that it wasn't because she was the wife of the boss. It's just because she was the actress that was the best in the audition. But either way, who cares? She did it really well Mm. and she returns for the three other movies that follow. So it's fine. (laughs) You know? Um, Did you guys watch the other movies? I watched number two. I really wanted to watch two, but I just haven't had the time. I I did watch... I watched two before I watched one. I, I just realized I've seen three, but I feel like everyone should I've see at least parts of three. Everyone should watch four for Great. us. Just recap. <laughs> just give, give us a just give us a fire round. Of... We'll, we'll come back to that. Okay. Okay. We'll come back to the sequels later. Um, <laughs> you can be patiently wait, boy. It's not your turn to present this week. And then, of course, the biggest star of the entire film is the shark. Bruce. Now they had a lot of issues. They had the everyone was cast. Everyone was on their way. You know there was a filming date set. Everything was put into place. The script's not finished. You know they're having all these other pre-production issues, and then they get to an issue. Well, where do we get a shark from? And first, two of the producers like, oh, we'll just get an animal handler in, and we'll just use a shark. <laughs> They quickly found out that sharks are not like dolphins and you can't train a shark to do tricks and jump through a hoop. So they were like, oh, what do we do? And Universal was not spending money on any special effects for a shark. So they had to find someone that would make them a shark really cheaply. So all up, the three sharks that are used in this film, the three mechanical sharks, there's one that has a left side there's a left side shark a right side shark and then a head essentially and depending on where the shots you know the position of the camera and what the shark needs to be doing there's three different versions they were made for around $250,000 like the three of them so it was done relatively cheaply for what it was which it's only just yeah. over a million dollars in today's money to build those three sharks the issue was in the pool where they were built in the fresh water. They worked perfectly. In the salt water of the Atlantic Ocean, they did not work at all. They kept falling apart. So they were sent... There was a new special effects warehouse built at set, and they went back to the drawing board, and the sharks were then made out of these hydraulic compressed air pumps. So each shark was filled with valves that connected to hoses that then went up to a massive rig on a pontoon that there was 12 men pulling levers depending on what the shark had to do. 
That's a massive effort. Yeah, so there was 12 men operating levers. One was, you know, fin direction. One's the left-hand side of the jaw. One's the right-hand side of the jaw. One opens the jaw. One shuts the jaw. You know, there was just all these different things Mm. to make this shark move. Meanwhile, it's attached to a crane which is submerged on the bottom of the ocean that then moves the shark. Because you can't have the crane outside of the water because then you'd see it. <laughs> so there's an underwater crane with a big arm that's moving the shark around. And it never worked. So it got the name of the Great White Turd. <laughs> because it essentially was just a floating piece of shit that ruined days upon days of filming because they'd set a shot up the shark would fail and then it would take them six hours to reset up because everything would move and they'd have to reset the crane and they'd have to redo this and redo that and it just became a nightmare. But there is a couple of shots in the film that use a real great white shark. And there was a second unit filming off the coast of Western Australia. So this movie's filmed in Massachusetts and... Um, North Eastern America, just north of New York. North of New York? South of New York? North. Yeah, Martha's Vineyard, isn't it? Yeah. And there was a second team that was filming just off the coast of Western Australia with great white sharks. And they had a stuntman who was a midget in a small shark cage with a 15-foot great white. So it was trying to get the scale right. So they used a small man, small cage, big shark. But because the shark in the movie is 25 feet, you know, you had to get the proportions right. But there was an issue. When setting up, the shark got caught in the rope of the cage and ripped the cage apart. Just absolutely destroyed it. Went nuts, destroyed it. That shot is in the film. So when the cage in the film gets destroyed from the bu- and the shark's on top of it, that's a real great white shark destroying a real cage. Oh, my God. And that mishap, like, you know, that not having the stuntman ready yet, not having any of that done yet, changed the plot of the film. So because he wasn't in there and, like, all the, like the um, prop dummy wasn't in there, and the shark just kind of destroys an empty cage. In the book, Hooper dies when he's in that cage. He just gets ripped apart in the cage. But because they had this shot of the shark destroying the cage that was empty, they changed the script so that Hooper escaped before the shark destroyed the cage and hid it in the rocks at the bottom of the ocean. So then they could use that footage of the cage getting destroyed. So then Hooper so only survives the film because of, of a, a production mishap in Australia. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and it, it's just crazy. Like, but there was an issue when when they were practicing filming, setting up, and they had the small man in the cage. It's a sm- he had a small tank on in a small cage. There's only one issue. Small people breathe at the same rate as big people. He still breathed the same. Mm. So they gave him a small tank 
because everything was proportionate, which only gave him eight minutes of oxygen. Oh, man. Don't tell me this dude died. And that's why he (laughs) he wasn't in the cage. Because they had to pull him out to give him a new tank because they only gave him eight minutes of air. Oh, my gosh. Because they almost (laughs) killed him. Far out. This movie it, is just a whirlwind. Oh, it's just... So I watched um, The Making of Jaws. It was this documentary that went for almost two hours. Oh, yeah. I kind of skipped through that. And it had all these stories of all these different things. And I was like, holy shit, the production of this movie was just... It's just a roller coaster ride of just people almost dying and George Lucas coming into set and breaking things. <laughs> so um, one evening after shooting... George Lucas visited set and, you know, Spielberg was showing around and showing all this thing and Spielberg's sitting on the raft that controls the shark and he's showing George Lucas how the shark works. So George Lucas climbs in the shark's mouth. Spielberg goes to shut the shark's mouth on Lucas and they break the shark. (laughs) So then it took them days to fix it. Because it wasn't designed to have someone in it and shut on dry land. So Lucas and Spielberg broke the shark. So, whoops. There goes a million dollars. Yeah. Um, the movie also only had a budget of around $3.8 million dollars. Which blew out to, what was it, almost 14. Yeah, they like... Holy hell. Doubled, or wait. It was like four <coughs> times. Um, yeah, four yeah. times the budget and like yeah. tripled the amount of days shooting. Yeah. And it, um, so the original budget was the equivalent of like $35 million in today and it blew out astronomically past that the other thing is because it took them so long to film and they were battling the weather and they were battling this and that and all these issues the movie was meant to come out just before Christmas in 1974 they were like nowhere near ready so it ended up coming out in the summer of 1975 and the summer block was usually reserved for Movies that weren't going to make that much money, kind of the duds that, you know, kind of... No one was going to the movies in the middle of summer because everyone was out at the beach or, you know, doing other things. So Jaws was the first summer blockbuster. It was kind of like... It was the most successful movie ever to come out in a summer slot. And it changed the way that movies were released well in the end it was <coughs> the highest grossing movie of all time for that um like up until then wasn't it yeah so it really think... paved the way <laughs> yeah until it's what star wars took over yeah star wars two years later yeah um it was initially rated r but a couple of very graphic scenes were removed but they have since been added in for all releases past the initial theatrical release. It's like the severed leg and a couple of other things were cut from the original theatrical release 
which changed the rating from R to PG. Yeah, because I guess you don't really see much <laughs> yeah. other no. than those two severed limbs. Yeah, no. Or the yeah, guy getting were... eaten. Yeah, so they were the severed limbs were at, have been added back in since, mm. like every like release after the initial theatrical run. Um, see, because I didn't remember the severed leg or like the severed arm of really? the girl. Yeah, I just I completely forgot it was like that yeah. brutal. Um. Another thing, there was a really funny story that I was watching them for the documentary and Spielberg was saying that they got to open, like, the premiere night and they're watching it and, you know, they were all up kind of up the back of the theatre and there was just the general public filled out the rest of the theatre. And it got to a point and this dude got up and started walking and he's like, oh, no, you know, it's the first walkout. People hate it. Like, we've failed. And then this dude starts running. And Spielberg's like, holy shit, he hates it so much he's running out of the theatre. <laughs> he wasn't running because he hated it. He's running because he had to vomit. Because <laughs> this dude was so disturbed that he did And he didn't even make it to the bathroom. He vomited in the theatre lobby. Oh, my God. Because oh he was God. so freaked out and scared of like what was happening with his shark. He just vomited. That poor guy. Yeah, it's just crazy, like... I think, like, it really was, like, despite all the issues it had with filming and uh, pre-production and things like that, I think it really ended up contributing to the movie in such a good way because they didn't have the budget to make, um, like, I don't know, 15 mechanical sharks that you could shoot like in full for every single shark scene like he had to be very very um smart in how he shot it and built the tension i guess like it is quite minimalistic in that way and it like undoubtedly adds to the movie like it's one of the main i guess kind of um features that is discussed about the movie in you will Every way. <laughs> One of the reasons that you barely see the shark is because they had so many issues with the mechanical sharks that he kind of took a Hitchcock approach and was like, let the invisible threat terrify the audience. Yeah, exactly. Like, it is mm. ages before you first see the shark. Mm. It's just the notion of it playing in your yeah. mind. Mm. And then when you do, it's fucking massive. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's huge. <laughs> it's absolutely enormous. Um... So, one of the one of the deaths that happens in this film is a young boy, and you know he's out just floating on a little raft at the back of the break, and he gets taken really violently. Like you see the shark fins thrash around, there's blood pouring out of the air. Like he's really graphically taken, and everyone on the beach kind of sees it, and it's like the second time. And in the documentary, they talked to the guy that played the kid, and it, you know, because it's years later, this guy's like a, you know, adult play, like in his thirties ish, and he was saying that like he was really struggling because his direction was, you know, thrash her out a bit and then just throw yourself under the water and stay down as long as you can, mm. and he was really struggling with throwing himself under and staying down. He kept floating back up or panicking and coming back up for air. So after four takes of them trying to do it, Spielberg went, nah, 
were doing it differently. So they got one of the divers that they had for some of the underwater shots and some of the other like camera work to go out and sit underneath him on the raft, like underneath him. So as he was thrashing around, the diver grabs his leg, pulls him violently under the water and then sticks an oxygen tube in his mouth. So he gave him air to keep him down there so he could just sit down there with mm. the diver, have the, like, you know, the tube from the tank and just stay there really calmly and have someone with him. And then that's the shot you see. So that's how they got him to really violently be pulled underneath so quickly because someone just grabbed his leg and literally yanks him underneath the water. Like as hard as they just pulled him under and then went, here's some oxygen, stay here. Until the shot was finished. It's so much more vicious than the like the girl at the start as well. Like just seeing the blood makes it so yeah. much more and, intense. Um, the stunt actress, or Susan um, Backlany, who plays um, Chrissy, who is like the girl that dies in the opening scene. She auditioned because they needed someone that was willing to get naked, that could do the stunt and could act like do all because she like they looked at actresses to do it but then they needed someone to do the stunt mm. so like they didn't want to have to use two people to do it and there was all those different things so she mm. was like well I'm an actress I'm a stunt performer I'll get naked so she went into the production office and she tells a story of like a lot of time when she went to auditions for things like this she'd have to get naked in the room and the producer you know would want to see them naked, turn around, and then they're like, oh, yeah, you're hired, or no, you're not what we're looking for. Which, looking yeah. back at it now, is really bad. Yeah. So bad. Right? And I was going to joke that they like saw her and they were like, oh, God, no, but... But what yeah, she started uh, doing is she had her upsetting. folder that she took, you know, with like all her credentials and stuff in it, and she had a naked photograph in the folder. So she showed them that, mm. and... It's got the producer who did the interview. Like, it cuts to him and he's like, you know, I saw it and she like she was in the, there was a photo of her naked and she was right there and I started to blush and I was like, oh, oh. And he said, I'll be right back. And he went, I took the folder up to Spielberg and showed him the photo and Spielberg looked at me and went, yeah, but can she act? <laughs> like, Spielberg didn't care what she looked like. He just wanted someone that could act and do the scene. Good on him. And it was, and he was like, uh, yeah. So she was cast and, um, because she's violently getting thrown around and screaming, they didn't, they couldn't tell if she would be screaming for real or just acting. Because how they did it is that there was um, two boys with ropes and then a pulley system with men on shore and men on a boat pulling on these ropes. So one, you know, five men would violently pull her one way. And then five men would violently pull her the other way. So she's that got a rope. That would be so painful. Wrapped around her and she's getting violently pulled around. And then there's a rope underneath her that someone pulls down to pull her under. Ah. Oh. And like, because it was so dangerous and like, there's just a rope's pretty much tight. Like there's a harness just around her. And like, if something went wrong, they wouldn't have known if she was still acting the scene or actually screaming for help. Like, really? Mm-hmm. So they got this sailor's hook, which is used as a quick release. So she had that underneath the rope. So if anything went wrong, everything was connected by that. 
So she could easily just flick the switch on that and it would unhook and everything would fall off her. So if anything went wrong at any moment and she flicked that, she'd instantly be free. And they'd know something was wrong because she wouldn't be moving anymore. That's very smart. And that was the fail safe. Because, yeah, like, she's she was getting thrown... And that was another reason she did it, because she was a trained stunt woman that it was an added bonus that she could do that, plus be an actress at the same time, mm. and act the scene. Like, she sells that attack really well. So well. Yeah, and it, it was a great, you know, it's a great addition to that. It's such a good yeah. opening scene, too, because you're like... I mean, obviously she's drunk or high or whatever, but... Both? I don't know. Yeah, probably. It was that time, wasn't it? The 70s. Yeah. Um, but it's still so terrifying. Like, it, even if you were drunk or high or whatever, it would still... You'd still be freaking out. Oh, like, yeah. You wouldn't just be taking it mellow. Yeah, and the poor guy who's just passed out on the beach. <laughs> oh, no. I, mean, oh, no. I, I wouldn't say poor naked, guy, I'd say lucky it. guy. Yeah, lucky yeah, guy. Lucky like guy. The one time yeah, of alcohol-destroying no, boners saves your life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, I think the naked thing makes it that much worse, though. Like, I don't know why, but just the fact that there's, like, no... Like, the shark would rip through the clothes regardless, but, like... Just the fact that there's like nothing more, between nothing you and, more between exposed, her and yeah. the shark. Yeah. Like yeah. between her and the shark just makes you go, Oh, oh my god, that's yeah. Like have um so much more painful somehow. Um I mean, growing up in Australia, I mean I personally have Oh, you're right there, Jacob, just having yeah, a little sorry. yawn. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I did a lot of scuba, uh, not scuba diving. Well, I did do that, like but snor- like, like snorkeling, snorkeling and yeah. things like that. So and we'd I. see wobbegons and like black tip reef sharks and things yeah. like that. Um, so like, have, I guess for people in other parts of the world, sharks just aren't part of their everyday lives. And yeah. seeing something like this would really spark terror. But in reality, sharks, particularly great whites are nothing like they are portrayed no, in this and, movie um, peter benchley who's the author of the book later became an ocean conservationist and really regretted writing a book that made great white <laughs> sharks and sharks in general look like such monsters yeah because they're not they're not yeah i mean like i say that all you want i'm horrified of sharks <laughs> really and i don't care what anyone says i'm like they're, they're my biggest fear. I'd rather I, deal with sharks than with spiders. I've been snorkeling and you like move a couple of like reeds or whatever and there's like a, you know, 1.5 metre shark just chill on there. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, hi. And like, they don't bother you. They would only, big, they'd only attack you. Yeah, they'd only <laughs> attack you if you were. I mean, I was that entire sentence like, cut out. I didn't know hear a word you guys said, but I mean, but like a tiger shark will probably attack you. Oh yeah, and bull sharks. Like yeah, we, just... I live right next to a river, and we don't go swimming in it because there are bull sharks in it. I've been swimming in a river for hours before, and then half an hour after we got out, there was a uh, two meter bull shark spotted. 
Mm. And we were like, <laughs> no, thank you. We didn't go back in that river for a while. Fair enough. I say a while, it was two days and we were back in it. The brain <laughs> kind of just forgets. Like, hey, have you right? It's gone by now. Um, um, but yeah, sharks are a lot less harmless. I mean, a lot more harmless than what they're portrayed in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, I was going to say, cameraman or cinematographer Bill Butler invented a water box. And it was kind of a bit of a revolutionary thing for filmmaking that has then gone on to pretty much lead to water housing and cameras. Um, Spielberg wanted the audience to feel like they were about to drown in the ocean. He wanted them to be at sea level with everyone else and make them feel like they were in the water. But to get that, you have to get a, have a camera that is half in the water, half out of the water. And you can't put a film camera in the ocean. <laughs> no. Because salt water will, one, destroy the film, but two, destroy the camera as well. So they developed this glass box. So it was a box that had a glass window on the front, and it's huge. Like, it's two feet deep. And the camera was lowered into the box. And then there was an extended eyepiece so you could see what the camera saw. But it essentially allowed the cinematographer to be standing... It allowed Bill Butler to be standing above it and lower the camera to the water level and create these shots because, the you know, just looking through the glass sheet. And it creates some fantastic shots in this film. Because everything, like, every time people are panicking, every time things are, like, you know, happening, you're at water level. Mm. You're in, in the there. Like you're in the middle of it. Like, the audience is thrown into the scene. Instead of observing it from the outside or above or, you know, you're in it looking up at panicked people. And it makes it so much better and so much more powerful in building the suspense and building the fear about what is happening. Because you can't see the shark, but it could be right there in the water with you. Mm. It's so good. Um, so, so good. The shark corpse that's shown in this film where, you know, the fishermen think, oh, we've got it, and then um, Hooper's like, well, no, the shark's not big enough, it's the wrong species of shark. Yeah. That's a real shark corpse. That would be disgusting. It was caught in Florida. It was then put on a plane and flown up. By the time it got there, it was decomposing and stunk. <laughs> So everyone that's around, that's in those shots with the shark, is gagging and, you know, just not having a good time <laughs> because this shark is decomposing right next to them. And anyone knows, dead fish stinks. And you know what? Because they hung it up by its tail, all its internal organs fell down to its like throat. And caused it to stink even worse. Yep. Yummy. Disgusting. Disgusting. Um, another thing that's featured in this film is that Quinn tells a story of being on board the USS Indianapolis. Which is a real story. So the USS oh, Indianapolis yeah. was a secret... Was a, It was a, you know... American naval ship that was on a secret mission carrying two um, well the internal parts of two nuclear bombs or atomic bombs sorry and 
1945. Yeah, so atomic bombs. And like just the not like the rest of just not the two explosive like the two explosive components, not the rest of it. And it sunk. And there was 1300 men on board and only around 300 and something survived. Most of which were taken by sharks. So for days as they sat in the water, no, and because the mission was so secret, there was no distress signal seen. So it was only that they didn't arrive at its destination two days later that they realised it was missing. So for almost a week, these men sat in the water and just floated in the middle of the ocean, surrounded by sharks. And they huddled in groups to try and make themselves appear bigger so the sharks wouldn't attack them. The sharks circled and circled and circled and slowly, you know, men would get tired and start sinking and drown and the sharks would take them or they'd have drunk so much sea water that they go delusional and just start swimming off into the distance and the sharks would take them. And Quinn's character is then someone that has survived this and that's why he's, you know, killed so many sharks and has, you know, been through all these things because he has lived through that experience. I'm just going to move my phone here, sorry, and turn my video off for you guys because it's almost flat and I don't want to lose the call. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he's someone that's... Okay, it's charging. Um someone that has survived this and it explains so much but um, Robert Shaw is a drunk and he comes from this British kind of old school variety of actors that were drunks and he does this speech on the boat about surviving on the US in Indianapolis and the first night they went to do it he said to Spielberg he's like, I want to have a couple of drinks beforehand and then I'm going to do it because I feel like it's going to be more authentic. And he rocked up to set, tanked. He had to get carried onto the boat. Like, it was just oh a mess. Oh, my gosh. He, he wasn't delivering lines properly, and it was just, you know, a nightmare. And then at 3 o'clock in the morning, like, hours after everyone had gone home, he called Spielberg. And he was like, I'm really sorry. How much did I embarrass myself? Oh, and Spielberg was like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine, don't worry about it. The next night he rocked up stone cold sober and just did it and that's the performance you see in the movie. But there are a couple of shots from when he was drunk in the movie and you can't really tell the difference. Like he acts it so well stone cold sober that like he just kind of mimics that drunk performance yeah. but he's not drunk. So there's a couple of other shots from when he's actually tanked. I was thinking about it too and... Like, if everything happens, like, pretty, like, close together time-wise on that boat, when they're drunk, they're, like, drunk and fighting the shark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they do drunk fight that shark. It's and um, not a good way to be. <laughs> Richard Dreyfus and Robert Shaw didn't really get along on set. And they didn't really get along with the boat. And there was a moment that... Um, Robert Shaw's had something to Dreyfus and Dreyfus didn't like it so Dreyfus just took his drink and threw it off the side of the boat <laughs> and everyone on set was like ooh like because he just threw it he was like nah, see you later Fuck. like you know stuff you I'm sick of this shit Bye. and it works well because their characters don't like each other and it kind of like Spielberg was like oh well it played well onto the acting so yeah exactly I wasn't really complaining <laughs> 
Exactly. Um, so where they shot um, those boat scenes was really popular with tourists and it was a really popular sailing destination. So yes. um, when they were shooting, Spielberg had to kind of like navigate or find ways, find smart ways or just find moments of time where he could shoot without getting this sailboat in it because he wanted to create a whole like sense of isolation with the audience and the boat and it wouldn't have worked if there was just a tourist sailing by in the background. They lost 10 days of filming during the summer boating season. Um, the first issue was the New York Yacht Club's annual cruise. <laughs> boat after boat passed on the supposed to be empty horizon. This was followed by another parade of boats en route to the America's Cup race in Newport in Rhode Island. Oh my gosh. And there was times where a boat would appear and they'd set a shot up and then a boat would appear and then wait for the boat to pass. And then because of the currents of the ocean, the barge that controlled the shark would have gone one way. The orca that all the crews on, that all the casts on would have gone the other way. And then the boat that Spielberg and everyone else is on has gone a different way. So all three boats have drifted away from each other and it would take them another six hours to set the shot back up. They'd set up the shot and then another boat would come. No wonder it went, like, what is it? A hundred and something days over schedule. Yeah. And as, like, a lot of the production crew were saying in the documentary, watch was like, oh, well, if we did it now, we just would have done it with the boat there and you just would have digitally removed it and it would have been fine and no one would have known the difference. But back then you couldn't just yeah, digitally remove 70s. a boat. Mm-hmm. Everything was on film and it was too hard to take it out and one of them said you know we could have done it in a studio on a blue screen and just rotoscoped the whole thing but it wouldn't have looked as good or authentic if you could tell that the ocean background was not real yeah like you can tell that they're mm. on a boat and you yeah, can tell it, how small that boat is yeah and like it would said it, you know you could have had the boat in a pool with a whole blue screen around it and then everything filmed and then just shots of the ocean you know rotoscoped over the back but they said, he said, you know, with a fake shark and then a fake background, it would have looked shit. Mm. But at least with everything being real and then the robotic shark, it feels pretty real. And the robot shark, for most of it, looks somewhat decent. Yeah. Yeah. Even when he's eating Quinn. Oh, that's so... so good. Mm. So I watched this last night with my girlfriend and she'd never seen it before. And she was fine until that moment and then she could not watch... Oh, really? <laughs> She was like, so she was fine with the severed arm? <laughs> no, she, I think she was looking at a phone and she missed the, the arm and the leg. Oh, that's funny. But well, like, I, yeah, she got to that, but she was like, oh, God, what? And I was like, sorry, I wasn't warning you because I wanted to actually see your reaction to that because it's funny. <laughs> I um, I was watching this with my dad today and because um, he just happened to come home at the time that I started it. And he loves this movie. He saw it, I think, when he was like... 12 or 13 for the first time so like Mm. not long after it came out and he's grown up with it and so for the whole movie he was just quoting lines here and there just before the actors would say it (laughs) oh god (laughs) it was great (laughs) Uh, um so the shark wouldn't have actually died by exploding did you know that that air canisters don't explode like that if shot with I a gun. I was going to say the shark would have survived the explosion and I was like, bro, oh, it's God, no. <laughs> no, yeah, no, it just 
he just wouldn't have been able to explode it in the first place. Um, well, that was an addition added by Steven Spielberg. Um, the in the book, the shark just dies of gradual blood loss as it circles the boat after being stabbed and shot so many times. Oh, that's boring. And the um, yeah, very. writer had to be removed from set one day because he was so angry that they changed and then he later admitted that Spielberg was right and the explosion was a much better way to kill the shark. <laughs> and he apologised. <laughs> as he should have. <laughs> yeah. So I guess um, I'm going to move into the sequels. Because Excellent. that's what everyone's really here for. Oh, uh, sure. <laughs> so I watched Jaws two. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jaws two is the same town. Three years later. Um, it's an interesting plot. There's another shark. Someone gets killed. Um. They obviously haven't learned from their mistakes. No, the mayor again is like, no, it's summer. We can't close the beaches. There's no shark. You're being stupid, Brody. There's no way that there's another shark here. That was a fluke event. You're being stupid and, you know, it's just a whole thing. Anyway, Brody gets fired for carrying on about the shark. Mainly because he's at the beach one day and he sees a shadow in the water and starts shooting at it with his gun while screaming at people to get out of the water and it turns out to be a school of fish and scares a hell of a lot of locals and tourists. So he gets fired and his deputy takes over. You shouldn't take a gun to the beach. like He's a cop. It's in his pocket, in his holster. Still, you shouldn't take a gun to the beach. Uh, it's America. Anyway, um, he's... How do I... He's two sons. One of them's now a teenager. One of them's like a bit older. It's set three years later, but both sons have aged more than three years. <laughs> the first one, yeah. Because his but youngest, at least like eight years older. His younger kid yeah, is I, pretty. I've seen young. the beginning of it, and I'm, I felt like his son was like heaps older than like twelve yeah, or in, whatever. Yeah, in the first one, his son's like like the eldest son's probably like I don't know, probably around twelve-ish. Mm. In this, mm. he's like eighteen. Yeah, no, don't buy it. Mm. He's going out with girls. And I mean, it's, it, it's probably really stressful. And the, the youngest around, one so. is like a crying little like toddler in the first one. And he's like probably 12 in this one. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, three years, <laughs> sure, whatever. Um, so it... The sons kind of become in need of saving and they all go out sailing and with their friends and all these different boats and the shark attacks and some of their friends get eaten and all the boats, they kind of, one of them gets hit upside down and they all crash into each other and they kind of all are in this big clump in the middle of the water, all sitting on top of it and the shark circling and you know, all this stuff. Mind you, the, the shark looks so much better. The shark looks great in this movie. It's another robot shark, and it just looks so good. Mm. And, oh, really? Um, I remember yeah. watching this movie, like, three years ago and thinking it looked worse. No, I think the shark just looked great. Like, some of the shark, like, some of it moving through the water and stuff was just fantastic. Okay. And, like, the fins and... Yeah, see, like, as a kid, watching, like, the first one, like, I, I think I, I was always told, oh, the shark looks so bad, but, like... 
I know. It holds up. <laughs> I think after... maybe it's because I've seen Jaws 3, but <laughs> it like, I've never seen it and been like, oh, that's horrible. Like, even in Back to the Future, when it's like, it still looks fake. I'm like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's fine. So, um, this probably has the best shark death I've ever seen. To elaborate. Um, do tell. So, they're moving towards Cable Junction, which is a small little island where all the underwater electrical cables meet up and then go off to all the different islands. And... Brody's trying to winch the kids over to his boat, which he crashes into the island because of the shark. And he's trying to winch the last few boat, like the last boat with the last two on top of it, including his younger son and his um, elder son's sort of girlfriend. And they're trying to winch it over, and he ends up winching. He ends up getting the winch caught on the undersea electrical cable. And he winches it right up out of the water. So it's kind of this long cable from his boat down under the water. And he gets in a small little rubber raft and starts banging on the rope with an oar well, on the cable, which attracts the shark's attention. So the shark is now charging at him as he's sitting in a rubber dinghy holding the electrical cable. And just before the shark gets to him, he pushes the electrical cable into its mouth as he pushes himself away. And the shark bites the cable and begins to just, its head just catches fire and it's just burning and there's a big like electrical explosion and there's sparks flying everywhere as the shark's head burns from the electricity. <laughs> he just bite, the shark just bites the cable. Like it could have easily missed and just devoured him. But he gets the cable in its mouth and it's all okay and the shark's dead, like, burnt body sinks to the bottom of the ocean and everyone's safe. There you go. I thought, does the older son get eaten? No. Oh. But, um, Jaws 3D, (laughs) CGI shark looks terrible, no one watched it, it's a shit movie, um, set in... It moves away from Amity Island to SeaWorld in Florida, a water-themed park with underwater tunnels and lagoons. As the park prepares to open, it is infiltrated by a baby great white shark, which attacks and kills water skiers and park employees. Once the baby shark is captured, it becomes apparent that a much larger shark, the mother, is present. The characters of... um, Where are we? of um, Martin's sons from the first two films. Um, Michael Brody, who's the oldest son, played by Dennis Quaid, is the um, chief engineer of the park, and his younger brother, Sean, played by John uh, Putch, arrives to the at the resort to visit him. The events of the earlier films are implied through Sean's dislike of the water, because it's something that happened when he was a kid. The events and characters developed from Jaws 3D are independent from the rest of the series. So Jaws 3D is kind of separate from the other Jaws films. It just shouldn't even be considered. Right. Now, really, Jaws the Revenge, which is the real <laughs> Jaws 3. I um, didn't even know this was a thing until I started researching this movie. So, uh... Jaws the Revenge 
returns to Amity Island, but ignores the incomplete plot elements, everything introduced in Jaws 3, so who cares? Um, so... Everything, so it's changed that uh, Michael is not an uh, engineer. He's, he's not an engineer at SeaWorld. He's a marine biologist. Um, so um, in this, all the studio press from Universal completely ignores Jaws 3D and refers to Jaws the Revenge as the third film of the remarkable Jaws trilogy. So Jaws 3D doesn't count. Um... So at the start of the film, Martin Brody had died of a heart attack, although his wife Ellen Brody um, claims that he died through fear of the shark. Her youngest son, Sean, um, played by Michael Anderson, now working as a police deputy in Amity, is dispatched to clear a log from a boy, and as he does, he is attacked and killed by a shark. So... The youngest son killed by a shark. This is probably the moment I remember most from any Jaws film because it's fucking brutal. Mm. So neither of you have seen this film, have you? I have not. No. Okay, so there's a log stuck in a boy in the harbour, right? And it's almost Christmas, so there's like a marching band on the shore playing Christmas carols to an audience, and it's really loud. Right, so no one can hear him. No one knows he's out there. He's trying to dislodge this log and he's hanging over the side of the boat and this shark comes up and just bites his arm off. Just rips his arm off. And I mean, like, you see, like, the stump of what's left of his arm. There's a bone sticking out. There's flesh hanging off. There's blood everywhere. Like, it is proper graphic. Like, it looks like a severed arm. Like, it is disgusting. He's then screaming, and I mean screaming for help, right? And he tries to, like, get up and, you know, get to the controls of the boat, but he's just, like, there's blood pouring out, and he collapses against the back side of the boat. The shark then rips the back of the boat off and just takes him. My lord. And it's like, like, well, I was probably, like, I don't know, 13 the first time I watched these movies. And it's like, oh my god, like... That could have been you. It's just brutal. Anyway, from that from that moment on, the movie gets, gets fucking stupid. <laughs> um, so, Ellen, the mum, becomes convinced that the shark is deliberately victimising her family for the death of the first two sharks. Michael, played by Lance Guest, convinces her to spend some time with his family in the Bahamas. However, as his job involves a lot of time on and in the sea, Ellen fears that he'll be the shark's next victim. When her granddaughter, Thea, narrowly avoids being attacked by a shark, Ellen takes a boat in order to kill her family's alleged stalker. (laughs) Hoagie, played by Michael Caine, Michael and his friend Jake, find Ellen and then proceed to electrocute the shark driving it out of the water and impaling it on the prow of Ellen's boat. The shark follows them from Amity to the Bahamas. They get on a plane, it swims, and then proceeds to hunt them for the rest of the film. 
That shark Hence why needs it's called, to get a life. Hence why it's called the revenge because there was a great white shark literally seeking revenge on the family on the Brody family for like Martin and Brody killing the first two sharks. Look. Like bro, settle down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. You didn't need any more than films, the first one. Yeah. No, I feel like if you know, I I think number two is a decent, solid film. Mm. Like, it, it sounds like it's the Psycho 2 of its Not. I, I wouldn't even say that Jaws 2. I would say like Jaws 2 is almost as good as Jaws. Mm. Like Same here. Psycho yeah. 2 is almost as good as Psycho. Like, it's a good film. Like... I genuinely like, if you're going to watch Jaws, watch Jaws 2. Like, you'll enjoy it just as much. Like, it's the shark action's good. The story's good. Like, you don't feel like it's, oh, this is stupid. Watch Jaws 3, you're going to have a shit time. Mm-hmm. Watch Jaws to Revenge if you want to feel really sad at the start about a character you liked in the first two and then just have a laugh for the rest of it because it gets absolutely fucking bonkers. <laughs> like, yeah. And also watch Jaws of Revenge if you want to watch Michael Caine, Michael Caine fight a shark. It's fine. You know, and a young Michael Caine because it's only 1987, so he's not that old. They really like, pumped yeah, out those movies, didn't they? 12 years. Yeah, 75, 78, yeah. 83, 87. Mm. <clears throat> I, don't know. I don't know if I can handle seeing Michael Caine as anything but an old man, but... Yeah. No, it's good. I mean, he's still old-ish. He's still oh. like 50. <laughs> Or forty something, probably. Maybe he's not forty. No, mm. he's not. Oh wait, in, in the movie. Oh, I thought you were talking about now. <laughs> no, I mean in nineteen eighty-seven. <laughs> oh man, he probably would have been I'm, in his forties. No, I've got a picture up. He looks exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Michael Caine. He de- he was he just was born like that. He was born in. He 33. was born an old man. <laughs> So he would have been... Yeah. <laughs> so what? Jeez, he's getting on, isn't he? He's 87. Yeah. So he would oh, have been hell. 54 in this movie. Far out. Damn. Far out. And he survived right, um, the shark. Yeah, so that kind of concludes... Well, I, got, I hit an hour. Well done, me. Good job. Oh my I'll God. aim um, that, for that next week. That kind of... Pressure. That's on. all my notes. I'm done. That's me done. <laughs> like, I've got nothing else to add about Jaws now. You're welcome, everyone. Woo. Your jaws um, out. Three things I liked. Um, I really liked the suspense building with the lack of kind of other noise when it goes deep underwater and just the score. The like, score I really liked is the way great. That, yeah. That they build the suspense. Um, mm. I love how when they're hunting the shark at the end... All of a sudden, when like they stick it with like one of the barrels, the score becomes really happy and like they're off on an action adventure. Like it becomes this real happy, upbeat music, mm. and then it just disappears again when they fail. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, we're doing it. Uh, no, we're not. So though, like both those like score moments, and then just probably um, the other little fun fact is Mrs. Kinter, who is the mother of the boy that gets eaten slaps Brody in the face before going off at him about knowing about the shark. She slapped him 17 times in one day to get that right. <laughs> it wasn't even a good slap, too. I looked at was that it? and I was like, I could do better than that. <laughs> she did it 17 times and there was a great thing that um, Rishida was like, 
it's really hard to prepare for a slap and not look like you're preparing for a slap. You're not allowed to know it's coming, but you know it's coming. <laughs> and she was, um, Lee Fierro was just felt really bad because she was just like, I had to keep slapping him and I didn't want to slap him. He was such a nice man. He's <laughs> like, and then she, she's like this old lady and she's running some theatre production company in Ireland or something, and she's just like. I felt really bad about it. I slapped him 17 times. And I just found that really funny. So that's my other thing I like about this movie. Poor lady. It's the slap. Um, well, I really liked the score. I feel like it has been ripped off so many times, but I feel like it's only been ripped off because it's so good. That whole suspense building and all that. Um, I really really liked the shark I mean obviously it's mechanical but for 1975 it's pretty damn good and like if that was coming towards me in the water even if I knew it was mechanical I would still be shit scared um and I have a fun fact I I think the dog that gets eaten is um Spielberg's dog well there you go yeah (laughs) Nick um obviously score um i love that this is just kind of the poster child of like art through adversity Mm. i I love that like despite like so much going wrong like with the it's it kind of led to them just kind of simplifying a lot yeah yeah to kind of make it better and i just like how i know it's not kind of overdone with like shark shots and like w- like ways that kind of would have killed it yeah um three things three things um <laughs> god damn it always gets me um yeah performances i suppose very good yeah. um and yeah i can't really fa- i can't really fault anything i didn't like because like it would just relate to technology that was available at the time on like a shoestring budget yeah yeah for yeah for the time that they made this movie they did so well and it 100 de- percent mm. deserves all its wins all its awards yeah mm. and it's the recognition it has what 25 years later no 45, 45? years later <laughs> oh it's a 45 oh year God. old movie man that's crazy that is nuts. That's awesome. Um, so I, I can, assu- I reckon I can safely assume to say that both of you would watch this again. 100%. Of course. And I can safely assume that both of you go and going to go and watch the other three movies. Um, no, I'm actually <laughs> not. Please, let's not <laughs> promise anything. Uh, I, I, I will at some point watch two, but let's not get yeah, ahead of ourselves. Two. I think I'd rather go back and watch Psycho 3 and 4 <laughs> before. Yeah, I don't really have any interest in watching the other movies. I just, I really enjoy Jaws and I don't want anything else to spoil it for me. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, well, I guess we can uh, move on to, um, what do we call it? What we've been watching and what we're excited for. Yeah. Like me. <laughs> you forget every week. <laughs> I know. My brain just goes. We need a name. It's that we need thing. a proper segment name. We need yeah. a little, in- like a little <laughs> we- music intro for it. We do. Mm. 
Um, <laughs> anyway, I, I I told my girlfriend that I was Jacob's inserted no, it. No, no. So yeah, the I didn't really have it. I just told my girlfriend that like I was recording the podcast and then I'd talk to her later. And then I was like, hang on. And I went, what were your thoughts on it? Because she watched it with me. Yeah. What does she think? Mm. And she was like, well, I didn't hate it. <laughs> that's a good thought thing. It was, she's like, I thought it was no, all right. That's a good girlfriend review. <laughs> then again, I didn't watch the guy get eaten by the shark. Laughy face. Think the extra facts from you were interesting. Ha ha ha. <laughs> I'm glad someone Thanks. finds your facts interesting. Um, so am I. <laughs> anyway, um, so before we watched Jaws last night, we were uh, finally, finally got her to watch um, Return of the Jedi. I still haven't seen it. Finally. So, we... <laughs> Ages ago, we watched Phantom Menace through to Empire Strikes Back, and she was just hating it. And I was like, you know what? Whatever. You can hate this. I'll... Mm. Like, I won't make you watch the rest. It's fine. Anyway, months go by, and we hit shutdown, and she gets so bored, she watches Phantom Menace through to Empire Strikes Back again. <laughs> without me, which is fine. And she That's likes mad. them. Good. What What do you think of the um, Luke and Leia twist? She, I think she liked it, but I think she already knew. Oh, well, she'd know. I think she already yeah, knew. She'd yeah, she'd know because of Revenge of the Sith. Oh. Yeah. Bummer. But like, we finally watched it, and I think she liked it. But like, she was like, "Oh my god, this is so long," and I'm like, "Yeah, well, it's a Star Wars movie. Get over it. It's like one of the shorter ones. It's fine." And yeah, I mean, it's, now it's, she's it's really not the first two. And but... she was like, "We, we finished the movie last night," and she's like. Oh my god, Darth Vader's dead. And I was like, yeah, what did you think was going to happen? She's like, but there's three more. And I'm like, yeah, the next one's set 30... Yeah, and we're never going to watch them. Yeah, and I was like, the next one's set 30 years in the future. And she was like, oh. And then I kind of just said, yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. They kind of suck. And then she was like, Han and Leia get married, don't they? And I was like... And then she was like, they have a kid. And I was like, eh. And then she was like, that kid turns evil. And I was like, eh. How have you figured that out? And she's like, I'm right, aren't I? And I was like, no. No, you're not. And in my head, I'm like, fuck, she's right. In retrospect, it was kind of obvious. Yeah. Mm. But oh well, so that's what I watched. Um, apart from that, I watched what, Jaws 1 and 2. I watched Star Wars. And I played a lot of Call of Duty, so that's about it. Mm. <laughs> Who wants to go next? Um, well, I watched three movies today unintentionally. I just happened to. I watched Jaws 1. Um, I watched No Country for Old Men because I finished the book and then watched oh, the movie. I love that movie. The movie, I didn't realise it. Um, directed by the Coen brothers. Um, and yeah, it was phenomenal. It's so, so good. It's bloody graphic, but if you can stomach it, go and watch it because it's just excellent. It's not on our list. I double-checked. Um, but, yeah, highly recommend. And then I watched um, Lucy with Scarlett Johansson. And I remember liking it when I first saw it, but I wasn't overly fussed on it this time around. I kind of skipped the end because I knew what happened. Hmm. Mm. Other than that, I've been... I've almost finished Westworld season three and I'm really, oh. really enjoying it. It's so 
good how they transitioned from, I guess, like Westworld into reality. Um, I really enjoyed that and kind of the twist that they put on it now that they're obviously not fighting for their freedom so much. Um, And yeah, been watching a bit of Hamish and Andy actually because my little brother's really into it and he's logged into my Stan account. So he's... um, When you say he's really into it, like has he just discovered it or... No, he's been a fan since like they did their first gap year and he watches everything on YouTube and listens to their Mm. radio segments and stuff. So he's just kind of rewatching a lot of it, but some of it I haven't seen and mate, they're bloody hilarious. If you want two just funny, genuine Australian blokes to watch, just go, just Google Hamish and Andy. They're fucking hilarious. (laughs) Fucking hilarious. (laughs) I think they'd approve of that (laughs) description. Anyway, Nick. All right, so I watched another documentary this week. Oh, nice. This one is probably less accessible for most people, but it is called... Sorry, I'll get close to the microphone. Doomed, the untold story of Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four. <laughs> what? <laughs> that was not what I was expecting you to say. As soon as you said doomed, I'm like, oh my god, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> oh my gosh. Was so, it good? This, oh. this documentary, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. What did it you watch basically, it on? Uh, it's on Amazon okay. Prime. Okay. So what it is, it's oh, just for the audience. It's a, um, it kind of, it's a docker about like the production of a still unreleased Fantastic Four movie from 1994, Holy I believe. <laughs> and essentially, like, the whole cast, like, the whole Fantastic Four, their Doctor Doom, I think the director, a producer, and Roger Corman himself kind of talk about the fact that it was kind of made just to retain the rights to the Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. And was or, and like was always planned to not be released, but none of the people making it knew that. Oh. And it's kind of sad, but like they kind of have a like a really good attitude about it by the end. And it's so interesting. it really just makes me like look at what well, I, I guess it probably wasn't Marvel's fault, but it makes me like look at Marvel in like a different way. But because like even Stanley, there's like footage of him talking about it saying oh it's coming out next year it's going to be so good but then he's like quoted years later being like that there wasn't a fantastic four movie i have no idea what you're talking Uh. about but these guys have like paid like they've paid their own money to go to like comic cons and to like go promote it but and like after all this it was just canned like the the official like that, the copy of it is just nowhere. I was like, gonna say, could you find is. like there is some a version of the that exists? No, you can watch it, can't you? Oh yeah, no, like someone stole it. Like yeah. someone copied it somehow, and that they do have like theories about it. But um, yeah, like you can you can find it online. It I don't think it'll be on YouTube. You'd Imagine have to, like, if it turned yeah, like out to be like rough. really good, and all the Fantastic Fours that have come after it are just shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean the the, the bars yeah low. very low. <laughs> well, hey, the, Silver the director Surfer wants is a it. Movie. 
Yeah. Well, well the director... <laughs> I, I actually agree with that. But, um, <laughs> the director wants, like, it to be officially released and um, wants, like, some money to be given to it just to, like, update the visual effects. People like, would see it. Because... I'd go to the movies and watch it. Mm. I absolutely would. Because, um, like, even though it, they would be horrible... Um, I mean, it can't get any worse. Did the visual effects? Oh. No, well, the, the, the guy, the guy who did them said, like, he went to the studio saying that he was the um, visual effects supervisor on Independence Day, but that was a lie. <gasps> so he was just kind of this idiot who may have worked on Independence Day, but like, had no idea what he was doing half oh. the time. But like, I don't know. I, I feel like you could put that, like. It's online, so you'd think like there'd be some people out there who could just do a screening of it somewhere. Like, yeah, do... but the online version, yeah. I'm pretty sure, is like a dodgy VHS. Like someone, it looks like someone's recorded yeah, a like TV VHS that's playing a VHS. Quality, yeah. yeah, yeah, but I, yeah, I don't know. I, I would actually love to see this movie, so I'll, I might research it and just see where. Yeah, find a copy because I, I want to watch this shit. Find it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Someone should um, just cut together also, a trailer for it. Yeah, there. Oh, there actually is a trailer in the documentary. If you want to go um, on Amazon Prime and watch it, there's like I'm a, actually going to look it up right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to watch it. There's a 20 second clip of them. It's just their hands, them like putting their hands together, like piling up, and it's the thing saying like it just cuts to a shot of the thing saying it's clobbering oh, time. No. It's even it's the poster for it is horrendous. It's I've just yeah. looked it up. Oh, that's this. so sad. But also, I'm so excited. Maybe to it watch could this be worse. I don't know, and it kind of makes me want to. Could be better actually, though. No, it doesn't. I was about. To, I, was about to say, I was about to say it makes me want to rewatch Fan Stick, but I couldn't even I get the words out. I'm never watching that movie again in my, watch my this. life. Yeah. If my if I have a kid and they asked to watch that movie, I'd be like, no. You kidding yourself? Yeah. Get over it. <laughs> oh, is, that, is that a DVD? I'm going to snap that in half. I actually I'm have it on DVD. It's not going to be a DVD. What? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Oh, mate. I saw it there the other day. Can we burn it? <laughs> Disney Plus. <laughs> to, a, <laughs> to an exorcism or something on it. I, I, did, I, did I tell you guys that I watched Cats? No. The... I watched Cats last oh, week. Oh, I'm surprised. Mm. Okay. So for my girlfriend's and? birthday, we had to watch Cats because she really wanted to watch it. Did she claw her um, eyes out? Or I mean, <laughs> she thought it was pretty shit, but I've watched some real shit movies in my time. Like I've watched shit movies for fun. Mm. I genuinely lost the will to live through this film. No. Oh. oh my god. Like, okay, not... this is somewhat related. Like. But did you see the video of um, Jason Derulo knocking out yes. his two front teeth? Yes. What a dickhead. But this movie, okay. Like, when it came out and there was all the backlash, I was like, oh, it can't be that bad, can it? Like, can it really be shit? Like, that shit. Like, nothing can be it, that shit. No, it's worse. It, it, it was shit enough to re-release, like, with touched up like, CG. Well, the DVD copy that we watched... It does not have the touched up CG. Like, there's human hands everywhere. Oh, really? It's so bad. Oh. But, like, 40 minutes goes by, and there's been two sentences that aren't in a song. Um, 
when yeah. you get to the end of like the hour 40, I think there's a fo- total of four sentences that aren't in a song. Most of the songs kind of mm. sound the same. Um, I have no idea what the hell was going on for a lot of the time. It kind of was, there was like three kind of changes in the plot and they're not really discussed except for outside of a really shit song. And um, like, it's just, I have serious questions about what blackmail was used against some of the A-list stars that are in this film. Like, yeah, because it has an amazing hold, cast. Yeah, like, did the director hold a gun to Idris Elba's daughter's head or something? Because, like, no, it was Idris Elba. Don't if you go home right now, you won't get this sweet million dollars in my hand. Yeah, and like, he's like, oh, okay. Like, I, it is genuinely, and I, I mean this with every ounce. It is the worst movie. I have ever seen in my life. Wow. And I watched a movie that was made for a couple of thousand dollars locally here that took so long to make <laughs> and they ran out of money that it starts off with one camera in a really good quality and ends looks like it was shot on a like handheld camera from like the nineties. <laughs> and the acting is simple, like what? I've watched like some of the worst low budget movies ever. Yeah. This takes the fucking cake. This is the shittest. Oh wow! The most painful thing I have ever watched. And like, I, I'm going to assume no one here has seen the stage show Cats. No, right? I haven't I've even seen, seen the a movie. Record, I've seen a DVD recording of the stage show when I was a kid. Okay, and I'd rather watch is, that on repeat. Is it like? Is the plot good? Yeah, the plot makes sense in that. The stage right. show is apparently like one of the greatest of all time yeah but like this mm. the, the, the thing that bugged me a lot too was the scale changes so much like in the course of a song some, there'll be a cat on the front of a car and it will look cat size compared to the car and then the next time you see them it looks like a man laying on a car like the scale mm. changes it's like oh like the car looks the same size but all of a sudden the cat man is taking up 10 times more space. Mm. It's just not and a good like, movie. This makes no sense. Anyway, that's my review of Cats and I'm never watching it again because I'd rather boil my eyes out. So. Oh my God, it's bad. Okay. Uh, okay I've, I've got one more. I, I haven't watched anything else. Oh, actually, no. I, I, look, I've been playing The Last of Us, but I'm going to wait till I finish. To talk about yeah, it, okay. right before you called to start this, I I watched the trailer for Thirteen Reasons Why season four. Is there another season Why? of that? Yes, and it comes out in June, like at the start of June. I didn't even know. Okay. It's a horrible show, but I love it. Guilty I... pleasure of Nick's right there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, I've never seen I an episode. Seen the second season. Oh my god, it sucks. You got to watch it. I'd rather not. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, too bad we're doing an episode oh, on it. No. All right. Well, if that's everything, I guess we can um, wrap it up. Sounds good. All right. If you like. Um. So thank you everyone for listening. If you want to get in contact, you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at Watch It Again Podcast, or send us an email to Watch Again 
pod at gmail.com. All the links are in the description below. Thank you all so much for listening each week. As always, I am your host, Jacob, and with me are the wonderful... Oh, I'm Kat. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Nick. And we will catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.